our scripture this morning, oh, there it is. Um, our scripture this morning comes from Peter's first letter. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 4 and go through verse 10. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, you'd like to read along with us, you have a couple options. One is there's a pew Bible in front of you. Uh, you can turn to page 1204 and read along with us. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you. You're not stealing it from us. We want you to have it. Uh, we believe God's word is powerful and uh, should be accessible by all. Uh, the other thing is we will have words up on the screen. But since you've already opened your Bibles, just stay there and go there. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And there it's written. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, so the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Would you please join me in prayer? Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So in life, we do plenty of different things that sometimes can uh, cause us to have reactions that we're not necessarily aware that we have, and they can even be quite frequent, and we're still unaware that it's something that, is, that, that we do within our own lives. One of those things is that buildings elicit feelings from us. You, you, may, you may not have thought about it and, and thought, why do I have feelings about buildings? It seems so arbitrary and nonsensical, yet we do have feelings about buildings. We can be driving down the street and we can see a really cool looking building. And, and if we're with someone, we can be like, oh my gosh, did you see that building there? Or when I take my uh, little boys downtown and they're like, oh, that building's so tall right? Like it, they're in awe of it. It brings out some sort of feeling. But then we've also been driving around and we've seen buildings and homes. And when we say, what were they thinking? Yeah. Right? Like, like, I can't believe anyone would build a house to look like a barn on a beach. <laughs> right? That just sounds nonsensical and strange for it to happen. For those that don't know, we just built a youth building right across the street, and the house looks like a barn. Uh, the staircase looks like a silo. It's quite fascinating. And, but, I mean, I'm sure there's people that drive by, and they go, 
a barn on the beach? It's not even painted red. What are they thinking, right? Or because we've all driven by on 3rd Street headed towards Neptune Beach, towards Atlantic Boulevard. There on the right, there is an octagon-shaped house. It's been there as long as I've been here, and I'm sure it's been there longer than some of you have been here because I've only been here seven years. But it, it seems to change hands of ownership every couple years. Some new developer or builder is like, oh, I can do something cool with this. And what we get left with is the most recent developer thinking, hey, I have the solution. I'm going to build a square house with the octagon house inside of it. What are they thinking? Right? I mean, they might as well build a barn on the beach. It's, it's nonsensical. But we have feelings about buildings and about houses. That we can go, when we go looking for a place to live, whether we're going to look for a place to rent or we're looking for a place to buy, we're looking for a place to live. We can go out and, and we can drive in and see the house and almost instantly have a reaction. We, we can say, this house doesn't feel homey. But what does that even mean to feel we all have different interpretations. Or, or maybe we say words like it feels cold or, or not inviting. Or I, I can't believe that the garage door faces the street. Some of you are looking at me like right now like you've never been married looking at a house with someone before. Right? Or, or you walk in and the kitchen happens to be painted neon yellow and have olive appliances. Right? And, and you just have feelings about houses and the way that they are done. And it, but we're searching for home. Because we're all looking for this indescribable feeling. We're looking for a home. Not just a house, not just a place to live. We want a home. And how we describe home, well, it really doesn't make sense when we begin putting it into words. I mean, look at, at this church building, for example, an, an A-frame sanctuary. Yeah, I'm a Texas boy. The only buildings that are A-frames in Texas are Whataburger. Now, good news, you still have one of those here on the beach, too, so I'm sold, right? But it, it's an A-frame sanctuary. It's very unique. It stands out. And so now we have an A-frame sanctuary and a barn for a youth house. We are batting two for two on uniqueness. It stands out. And then when you walk inside, you get a feeling about it. And you can either feel and look around, and, and, and with the, the wood slats and the beams and the shape of the A-frame, and say, this is like an old wooden ship sailing upside down upon the heavens. You get a sense of peace. Or you walk in and, and you see that there's a window that, that doesn't allow us to see over the dunes because the dunes get bigger, but at one time you could see the waves rolling in. And there's stained glass beautifully painted there with doves flying down to bring us a sense of peace and calmness. And if we were to ever roll up the screen, you would notice on both ends of this a cross placed in the middle of the windows to just be able to meditate and, and realize that we're sitting at the beginning and the end, and both of it begins and ends with Jesus for us. 
or maybe you walk in and this place just elicits a sense of coziness as if you're in a log cabin up in the mountains. Buildings have a way to elicit feelings from us. And when we make changes, if we were to make changes in here, now I'm not saying we're going to make changes. This isn't me uh, uh, protesting that we make changes. I like my job here, and I understand uh, people like the sanctuary the way it is. But if you were to happen to say, paint white in here and change the color of the carpet to a red or to a gray, the feeling would be different, right? Some would say, I couldn't possibly worship in a place like that. Others would say, well, it'd feel a little bit more light and airy, like a chapel on a beach. But others, they enjoy the cabin in the woods. You see, there's a man. His name is Kyle. Kyle was getting his Master of Architecture which, uh, from Harvard. And I didn't know this was a thing, but to get his Master of Architecture, he had to write a thesis paper. I thought they had to draw buildings, but no, he had to write a paper. And, and you're like, Pastor, where are you going with this? Do you know Kyle personally? I do not. I do not know Kyle. But he writes his thesis about the role that architecture plays and has played since the Garden of Eden. Fascinating writing that he does. One note that he makes is that ever since humanity was kicked out of Eden, we have been busy constructing buildings. He goes, he goes on to write that, that as architecture rises through the years and through the centuries... It is viewed as an attempt to replace the sense of being at home, a feeling that continues to elude us ever since the garden. Kyle, quote, writes, architecture has struggled to mitigate the effects of the fall, but the city is a poor substitute for the Garden of Eden. Architecture performs at best as the role of fig leaf covering humanity's exposure. It's not a cure, but rather an exposure of our homesickness. This desire we have to feel at home is something we have lost and lost at the fall. God, when he tells the Israelites how to design the tent of meeting while they're roaming around in the wilderness. If you look specifically at the instructions he gives and what's to be placed inside, how the curtains are to be sewn and what's to be sewn on them, you'll see that God is recreating a picture of the garden on the inside of that tent of meeting. Same is to be said when the temple is constructed in Jerusalem and he gives instructions for how that is to be constructed out of stone. That when you walk into the temple of Jerusalem, you would notice in ornate gold and silver and brass and, and with all of these fine linens, but you would get the imagery of the garden, of what was our original home. See, this homesickness is something... We've gained in the fall, but the feeling of home has been lost since the fall. And we continue searching for it. And Peter, the apostle here, mainly hanging out in Jerusalem, but he's writing to Christians that aren't in Jerusalem. 
right? So they're not near the temple. They're dispersed throughout and far away, most of them. And Peter moves from writing about us as Christians as part of God's family. And here in chapter 2, he makes the move to calling us spiritual houses. Spiritual houses. And now these elect exiles of the dispersion to whom he's writing are now being called spiritual houses. Peter proclaiming to us that you are at the very heart and center of God's activity in this world. See, the temple was contained as God's dwelling place. And now they're far from it. They can't, they can't get there. But now Peter is writing to them, no, 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 you are the spiritual houses. You are the ones being built up. That you are the center of God's activity in this world. You are God's building. And God is building you up to be a residence for his presence. For you see, God's activity is not located at 2125 Oceanfront in this sanctuary. God's activity is located in you and in his people around the world. And then Peter goes on. He keeps telling them, not only are you spiritual houses, but that Jesus is your cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of our spiritual houses. That Our sanctuary here has an actual cornerstone. You can go out on a field trip after service through the back doors, and it's around here to your left as you're exiting. There's a cornerstone, and it merely says 1964 on it. It's hollow inside. It's a time capsule. It hasn't been opened in 27 years, and I was told 27 years ago at our 50th anniversary when it was open, the papers inside were tattered then, and I'm not certain they were sealed up properly So 27 more years of being tattered and stored inside of a building, who knows what condition they're in. But our cornerstone of our sanctuary is more for form, for looks, than it is for function. But the cornerstones in Peter's day, the cornerstones in Jesus' day, the cornerstones in Isaiah's day, the cornerstones in 2 Chronicles, when God talks about cornerstones throughout all of Scripture, referring to Jesus at every instance, Cornerstones in Egypt and Mesopotamia and in the Middle East were used to set foundation and direction of the building. Some of them were often hollowed out. And this was done for temples and for religious places and for palaces. They would hollow out the cornerstone and then put something in it like an animal sacrifice or some other thing that they would use to protect the building. So Peter tells us that Jesus is our cornerstone, that Jesus sets our direction, that Jesus is our foundation and Jesus is our protection. For you see, before Jesus comes along, we were rejected by the world. We've all tried it. We've all tried fitting into the world. 
we've tried fitting in with those that we want to hang out with. And maybe, you know, if I change the way I look, change the way I dress, change the way I talk, change everything about me so I can fit in with people that I really am nothing alike. Right? And as much as we try and fit in, and as much as we think we're doing good at fitting in, realize this, that the world is just using you. Not so that you would be built up, not so that you would receive glory, but using it for its own fallen purposes. But Jesus, as the Christ, he lived without sin, and he died on the cross taking on our sin, and three days later was resurrected. He is our salvation. He is our cornerstone. And Peter says, and it's because of Jesus, God has picked you. Because of Christ, God has picked you. Picked you as a stone out of buried darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now because of Christ, you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now because of Christ, you have received mercy. You see, we continue to walk through this fallen world and we will go and continue to search in years to come for places to live and to call home. But all of it is a poor substitute for God. See, we were created and designed to be built up for God and for his purposes. God picked you out of the world, not so that you would go and build great buildings, but so that he could build you up into a building that shines the light of Jesus into the world for his glory. One of the things that, that I've come to realize now in my advanced age and through the years <laughs> is how the words we use and the manner in which we use them matter. So I'm going to tell you something maybe you've never heard here. But we've gotten it wrong here. We've gotten it wrong when we say that this building is First Christian Church of the Beaches. Because according to God, according to his word, according to Peter, this is merely the place where First Christian Church of the Beaches gathers for worship. You, dear brothers and sisters, you are the church. Amen. Amen.